She's Katie. He's Ben. Oh boy. No Do you want to introduce your, introduce yourself who you are? <laughs> well, somebody's got to. You also have to introduce yourself though. I will. I will. I will. Okay. Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode or the trailer. We don't know yet. I'm Benjamin Lindsay. I am a PhD student in history at Marquette University. I'm originally from the bluegrass state of Kentucky and I've not acclimated well to the winters here in the Brew City. My co-host is Katie. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm a PhD student at the University of Minnesota. I am from the great state of Illinois. <laughs> I mean, let's not lie. It is Illinois. <laughs> I know, the, the corrupt state of Illinois. <laughs> so yeah, I just keep moving further north in my life. I'm now freezing my ass off in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, you uh, took it to extreme. <laughs> I did. I did. Ben and I actually met at Marquette, where I previously was a student. Yeah, she left me and, and went to the land of the Golden Gopher. I'm so sorry. The land you... of a thousand lakes. <laughs> the land of a thousand lakes. So every... They're like, so how many? So like, okay, weird fact. Uh, every time I'm on Tinder and someone's like, oh, you live in Minnesota. They're like, how many lakes have you been to? <laughs> like the dumbest <laughs> question I've ever heard. Numbers. I'd be like, well, I've been to like 923 of them, but some of them are really kind of crappy, more like puddles. <laughs> right. Right, little tiny puddles, puddles. Uh, yeah, so what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, we met working together at the library, having so many conversations that are gonna be like this podcast. Yes, exactly. She was kind of my work wifey there for a while. And, uh, That's right. <laughs> now we are- And podcast. then I left you, I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's fitting considering what we're gonna do. <laughs> True, okay. <laughs> And for oh. those of you who don't know, which is everybody, um, what we're going to do, Katie has talked me into watching Vanderpump Rules and a little bit about myself. Um, I listen to a lot of music. I have three other podcasts that are just album reviews. So I don't watch a whole lot of TV and I definitely don't watch a whole lot of, you know, this quote unquote reality TV. So this was... Um, a shot to the system, shall we say. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear it. I, on the other hand, uh, consume a lot of television, like more than someone who reads as much as I do probably should be able to, but I don't know, whatever. And reality TV is something that I've kind of come in and out of, but I am on a real kick of it, thanks to my, my friend Holland, who will shortly join us to help set up stakes for Vanderpump Rules. All right. Ben, what do you think? Should we bring Holland on? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Welcome, Holland. Uh, hello there. Would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah. So my name is Holland Ward. I am not a PhD student, and thank God for that. <laughs> I got my master's. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, definitely. I kind of wish I'd had that since. Yep, I got out of there. I got my master's of English also at Marquette, which is where I met Katie. And where I actually introduced her to Vanderpump Rules because my singular goal in life is to bring as many people into Vanderpump Rules as I possibly can <laughs> because it's fantastic. It is so amazing. We, we have patient zero on with us then. And um... yes, <laughs> Sarah made the effective sell, and then I have 
now now infected you, Ben. I hope you feel special. Well, I feel as special as anybody on this show does, which would be very, very special indeed. Oh. <laughs> should we set up uh, how Vanderpump Rules came into existence? In our lives or just in general? <laughs> I say both, because I think that would be a very interesting story. So, so I can do the in our lives first. Excellent, um, excellent. Uh, since Katie has, is just currently on a uh, binge watch of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which was the inception point for Vanderpump Rules, she can probably speak more to the actual history of how the show began. But in our lives, <laughs> so I have, I grew up with reality television. Um, you know, I started when I was little watching Survivor with my dad. I watched Iron Chef, like the original Japanese version before Iron Chef came to America. Like, you know, you know uh, deep track level <laughs> of reality television. Um, and I kind of watched it all through my young years in middle school. You know, I was like a huge supporter of the MTV VH1, what I considered to be the pinnacle of reality television, which was like the flavor of love, rock of love right. era. <laughs> and next and parental control and engaged in underage. I watched all of it. Um, so when I went into my master's program, it was the first time I was living alone. Um, and I would come back to my apartment and just, I needed background noise. And so I would turn on a, turn on the TV and would just kind of put whatever was on. And I, for me, I need background noise. That is something that I can tune in and out of. And that was something that reality TV is really good about because there's, we'll kind of get to this later in sort of deconstructing the mechanisms of how reality TV functions, but reality TV has normally a very simple plot and one that you can definitely like hop in and out of so you don't need to always be focused um so i started off watching you know a whole lot of food network i had kind of always run the gauntlet of tlc vaguely exploitative shows <laughs> and but at some point right it's like i'd watch them all and i was getting bored and so i happened to as these things happen i turned on bravo one day and because Bravo works on a trimester schedule of shows, it's sort of like if you're watching one show during that kind of cycle, you will most likely start watching all the other ones because of their marketing and because they normally air the shows back to back. So I eventually found Vanderpump and was hooked. And I started in season five, which is the, the spoilers, sorry, the, the big wedding season of the show, at least the first wedding. I was gonna say. Technically, in the, the realm of the shit, it's like the second wedding, but it was like the biggest one. Oh my gosh, you're right. I totally, <laughs> I totally forgot about Sheena's wedding. Whoops. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor Sheena. Oopsie, sorry, Sheena. Um, yeah, so it was Katie and Tom's wedding, which was uh, the better wedding. <laughs> um, so, and also one of the best seasons of the show thus far. Um, and so I started watching it, and then Katie and I lived really close to one another, like literally two blocks away. So we would, I would like drive her to school sometimes. I would, we'd go to the gym together. We'd hang out. And I started um, telling her these synopses of the show the day after it would air as we're driving to school. And she was really into my summarize, <laughs> summaries of these. And so at some point I was like, well, you know, Vanderpump Rules airs every, what, I think Tuesday. Every Tuesday, they always show all of the previous episodes before, and they always do all of the background context episodes you need from the previous season. So I was like, listen, 
you could just come over and we can order Chinese food and we'll just like hang out and watch the show together. And eventually I got her to come over and then it was just from there, most weeks we then just started watching and then she was hooked and I got her. I was hooked forever. Shouts to Lucky Lou's. <laughs> yes. Oh, Chinese food that brought us together. Lucky Lou's in Milwaukee, please. Oh, they have the best business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Get their takeout right now. Um, so yeah, and so that, I mean, that's the rest is history. And I, I haven't, we got rid of cable last year, so I haven't been keeping up with it. I am about a season behind. Um, but I have seen, I recently did a total rewatch of the entire series, um, which is fascinating coming into that show with the context of season five being your starting point as opposed to, you know, starting at the beginning. So Ben, I'm going to be really interested to hear how you're feeling about these characters because I have a much different perspective on them. And I think Katie would agree 100%. based on how they turn out later. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how you perceive them and their actions. So yeah, there we are. There's our personal history of Vanderpump Rules. Our personal history. Okay, so I'll set the kind of context for how it came into existence as, as a show. And I guess I don't know com the complete Bravo history, but I, maybe I do know a little bit. So it starts off from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Lisa Vanderpump is a main character on that show. And one of her storylines is that she owns a bunch of restaurants in, South, er, in West Hollywood. Sorry. Lisa kind of knows one of the main characters, Stassi, very well. And like she was friends with her daughter, Pandora. And Stassi kind of, I think, brought the idea to, to the producers at Bravo, right? She was like, I have this group of friends. There's a lot of crazy drama. This would make a great television show. And then Lisa got involved. And so Lisa Vanderpump, who is kind of the god of Vanderpump rules, kind of comes in and out. It's like the voice of, she just kind of like herds everyone like a mother hen, really. That's kind of her function. The arbiter of all of their fates as well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, Sarah and I earlier were talking about her as like one of the Greek fates, like cutting their strings. I mean, that's probably a pretty good description. I would also consider her the uh, enabler of all their dysfunction, but. Yeah, that's probably a. Yes. 100% fair point. I just am so biased in LVP's favor. I just, the more I watch her on The Real Housewives, the more obsessed with her I become. <laughs> she is the best. I could write, I could wax poetic about Lisa Vanderpump for like days. Like <laughs> she's the greatest, one of the greatest gifts to the Real Housewives franchise and to Bravo that I think they've ever seen. I think her and like Bethany Frankel are like, just like these goddesses of the Bravo Real Housewives circuit. Yes, just, just incredible. LVP, I am so sad to know that you are no longer on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but at least we still, I feel like she has become in the later seasons more of a major character in Vanderpump Rules than she was in the beginning. But you'll see that then. Anyways, getting a little far ahead. I think that kind of sets up how the show came into existence. You can tell in the first episode that they're trying to sort of be like the Hills in a lot of ways. A, another huge reality TV show on MTV. But eventually, I think they really kind of fall into something that's even way better than <laughs> the Hills ever could have imagined to be. So yeah, that's sort of 
that's my setup of the context. Well, let me follow up a little bit with a little sure, bit more about my, my reality TV. Yeah, my reality TV um, bona fides, if you, if you will. Um, so I'm old, you know, I'm in my 40s. And the very first reality show that I watched was Real World, like original oh, fucking yeah. season Real World. And so I watched like the first two or three seasons up through like the one where they were in San Francisco. And then kind of quit watching. Now, you, a lot of you have mentioned like Iron Chef and stuff like that as reality television. And I suppose it is in a way. And I've watched those shows. I, I love the Food Network, even though I don't really watch that much TV. But I consider those more game shows with just a little bit of enforced drama by limiting, you know, you have to cook the souffle in 15 minutes with nothing but a can of tuna and some cherries. And it's like, well, what in the fuck is going on? So I was completely out of this. What this kind of felt to me, and this is to your point, Holland, about being able to have this on as background music and just kind of come in and out, it felt like a soap opera. Yes. It was hitting all those familiar beats where you could have not watched an episode in five years and still kind of know what's going on, even though you're not in tune with the exact drama of the moment. Yes, yeah. Go ahead. And really... You know, the only episode I've seen thus far since we're just decided to start recording this is the trailer or first episode or not trailer, the, um, the pilot. pilot. Thank you. Yeah. Um, welcome to Sir. And I almost felt and it makes sense since this is a continuation of some of the characters from the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills that this I joined the story in Medias Res. And I was just like, I, they act like I should have a connection with these people. And I don't know who any of them are. And my first impression of them, not the best. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so. Which I think is the right and proper reaction. I, we, I won't give away too many spoilers, but many of the characters that I hated early on, I have really come to love. <laughs> but is that yeah. because they've changed or just because you've been indoctrinated? That's the question. Time will tell. <laughs> I think, so I think, and I think this goes back to a little, a bit of the context, right? Is that like the context for some of these characters, if you're and kind of the lens through which you understand them changes based on, I think, your entry point into the show. So, with your entry point in season five, where there are a lot more characters involved, relationships have, some, have changed, but also there's this kind of click drama with Katie, Kristen, and Stasi versus some other people, it kind of changes how you view people. Like, I actually found myself becoming more sympathetic towards some of the people who have, yes, absolutely correct, terrible first impressions, basically across the board for everybody involved in Vanderpump Rules in that pilot episode. But I actually got a lot more sympathy for some of those characters that I was sure that I hated in season five. And then the reverse also happened. There are some characters that I didn't mind in season five who the more I watched them kind of and watched their arc throughout the entire series realized that, oh, actually they're the worst. <laughs> and I'm really annoyed by them. Um, so I think that kind of entry point in your kind of original context of the show does shape some how you view the characters, but 100% agree. Everybody's really shitty in that pilot episode. <laughs> Everybody. Yep. 
and I guess the, my the distinction that I would make is that I feel like if you're just a new brand new viewer, because I think that I really at some point I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch this reality TV show to pass the time. And for like a few seasons, I was like, oh, I'm hate watching this. And then at some point I was like, no, actually I just love this. Um, but I think Stassi is the main character if you're brand new. But if if Vanderpump Rules premiered as kind of like an addendum in season three of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And if you start from that episode, you're kind of point of view character is Sheena which is an interesting flip I think so mm. yeah I just thought that the tone was really set within the the first five minutes because they're setting everything up and you know it's basically just playing the intro and they have Lisa on there and she's talking about sir and she mentions her other restaurant which I can't remember and I unfortunately don't uh, Villa Blanca Thank you. Yes. She's like, Villa Blanca is a really nice restaurant where you take your wife to. Sir is the one where you take your mistress. And I was like, well, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> and yeah. So in, in my notes for this, I literally watched this episode two hours ago. Um, and in my notes for this episode, the first thing I wrote was, this is a story about hot people who fuck each other all the time. <laughs> like that is, <laughs> that is to me the basically almost a verbatim quote of what they're setting up in that first episode of like what what sir is going to be like what is this experience of entering into this friend group yeah well and the thing about it is not to be that guy but they were all like i'm sorry we're just all hot and i was like you're you all all attractive but the only one on uh, of the cast who is like super duper hot is tom you know <laughs> tom sandoval yes yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, in the that says yeah. that, and it's just like, okay, you're an attractive girl, but holy fuck, Tom is like super duper attractive. Hard agree. You will see as we get more into every season, they'll get more and more attractive as they make more money and start getting more plastic surgery. Of like course, yeah. Well, and also, and I know, I think, Katie, you were going to talk about this later, but, uh, it's also an important like style era when this show started that has since, so they will eventually their style will start to transform and become more current fashion, obviously as the show progresses, but right. These are all people in West Hollywood who are all very on trend, which on trend is a kind of, you know, hit or miss bullseye of, is this actually attractive or have we all just decided to do this terrible, ugly thing for no good reason? <laughs> Alan, right. you tell me if you agree with this. I feel like you can always tell the year that a season is happening based on what Sheena is wearing. Oh my God, absolutely. Um, based on what Sheena's wearing, also based on the eye makeup. I think that the eye makeup for the, for the women is particularly telling how much eyeliner they're wearing, what kind of eyeliner they're wearing. Yeah, 100%. Well, this is gonna be a real education for me because I really didn't notice any of that. The things I noticed style-wise was a Tom was way too concerned with what hairspray he was going to use. That's right. I was and amazed. he shaves his forehead. Yeah, that too. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is that? I've never seen anybody do that. But I mean, I guess if you're going to have that really crisp hairline that he has, you got to do something. Um, I thought Jax looked better with a beanie on than he does without, which I thought was very interesting. Um, Sheena, I was amazed at how long her hair was, considering when I first saw her, she had it up in like a really 
what look, didn't look like a tight bun, but had to have been an incredibly tight bun on top of her head. And the fact that they basically had them wearing napkins as their serving outfits with no underwear. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is like, I would expect this at a brothel in, you know, Nevada, not at a, a trendy night spot or restaurant in Hollywood. I think that's what Lisa wanted it to be, at least in its initial inception. Sir is the the Vegas glitzy. I don't know. That seems to be kind of characteristic of Lisa's style. She really likes things that are quite strong in their statement. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think another fashion touch point is also the Sir outfits, which are always representative of the ugliest possible fashion choice for the era. Like those ugly shirt dresses that they wear with like the like baseball tee length sleeves and like the little cut V that are skin tight that are just a hideous pattern got awful. So awful. But they're like, that is, that was the style at one point. I just love that they played directly into the trope in that first episode. So they really, and I'm, I'm sure everybody else knows this, unless you never watch the show like me, but they're really setting up a rivalry between Sheena and Stasi. 100%. And, and they even play into the trope of Sheena shows up for work wearing the same color of outfit as Stasi. That's like, and and I love the fact that the other girl from the show like, really, you're going to get mad about this? Everybody knows that blue and gray is my color combination. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stassi. Well, I just love Lisa's uh, description of her as a jacked up, overzealous, cheeky little minx. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think she was searching for another word and settled on minx. I thought it was fitting <laughs> that her name was Stassi, which is the, the name of the East German secret police. And so I was just like, it didn't help that she was blonde and kind of airy. And I was like, and for somebody from New Orleans not to have any kind of Southern accent, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? As a, as a Kentucky native is like, what is wrong with you, Stassi? Right. Yeah, I think I think that conflict between Stassi and Sheena is so to talk a little bit about reality TV show structures and characters. Um, so reality TV show, like you said, is basically functions as a soap opera. So you can sort of talk about reality TV with the same language and through the same lens that you would talk about any other kind of plotted real, like plotted TV show and or book. And so right there are basic plot structures and character archetypes that the characters fall into. And the seasons of reality TV that are the most successful are those that can find a good person to play kind of each of the main archetypes. And the reasons why those archetypes are really necessary is because reality TV shows, in order to have that plot, they need to have a conflict that's going to be a through line throughout the entire season. And sometimes it's really hard to find one central conflict that's going to carry throughout. I mean, we kind of, we saw in the preview of the season at the end of this pilot episode that, right, Jax is going to, there's going to be rumors that Jax will have cheated on Stasi, which is clearly going to be kind of the big through line conflict but then a lot of times the shows will find secondary conflicts because right who doesn't love more people fighting about dumb shit um, like the a b and c plot like yes like, really, like almost any television show yeah and or right if that conflict were to fizzle out early they have something to fall back on and so one of the things that they do is they use these kind of natural conflict dynamics between character archetypes to make that fallback conflict 
So in the case of Sheena and Stasi, what you have is the kind of natural conflict that comes from the HBIC, which is Stasi's role, and the young blood new girl, which is Sheena. So when you look at a lot of like the Real Housewives shows, basically it's like the young one versus all the old ones because every Real Housewives season has one character who is significantly younger than everybody else, normally in their 30s, sometimes their 20s, right, who is new, usually like new into marriage, maybe trying to become a new mom, kind of new to this whole world. It's from a different generation pack than everybody else. And that breeds natural conflict because you have the young person who all the old people view as immature, as being really needy, as being really dramatic, as not having enough experience. And then the young person views all the old people as being jealous, as being outdated, as being overrated. And that spurs this kind of really natural conflict between those two. And so you see the same thing happening here with Stasi and Sheena. Sheena's not actually that much younger than Stasi. They're about the same age, but it's a, at this point a difference in experience level. So you have Stasi who's run Sir basically, and then Sheena who's the new person coming in. And so that's gonna be a natural way to form conflict. We'll also see in later seasons, another really key character in reality TV shows is that they have a voice of reason character who I think in season one, I kind of think that role is being filled by Peter, who's actually a secondary character, who isn't one of the main cast, but he sort of plays what is essentially the kind of stand-in for the audience members. Because we all know that what's happening on the show is nonsense. We're like, this is fucking absurd that you guys are arguing about this shit. Like, this is insane. And so the voice of reason character kind of serves to like do that nod to the audience of like, we all know this is crazy. And also nobody's going to listen to my good ideas about how you could just easily fix this. And that makes us all feel vindicated. Um, and so a lot of times that voice of reason character will fight a lot with that HBIC character too, because HBIC person wants to always be right. And the voice of reason is like, but you're not. So there are always these kind of naturally forming conflicts that they always fall back on, which is what the Sheena Stasi thing kind of starts as and really sets up. It's actually a very brilliant move to set those two against each other too. Yes. And they do a good job of setting this up because Sheena, to her credit, won't back down. And aside from her being the new girl and like being vocal in the little um, staff meeting they have about splitting tips, which by the way, I kind of agree with her on. I mean, I know that you know, the, the entire premise for Sarah is that everybody is helping everybody else out, but they were excluding her and trying to freeze her out. So they weren't really helping her out. And if she earned $325 in tips where the weak person earned $125, she had to be kind of pissed about having to split that too, you know, for, for that dramatic of a, a difference, especially if people were trying to freeze me out. But by establishing, and it's odd because I do think that they are attempting to set up Actually, let me rephrase that. It's actually kind of brilliant. They are, by not making anybody truly the hero, it lets them all be sympathetic at later points. Because Sheena, even though she is the plucky underdog coming in, she is also the other woman who dated a married man for two years and said she didn't know. And I have no idea who the fuck it was. They alluded it was some famous actress what, or actor, whatever. I mean, famous, I would put in scare quotes. Famous. Well, <laughs> right, yeah. He's the guy, do you remember, Ben? It was like a big scandal. He uh, was, they like, it was he and Leanne Rimes, Eddie Cibrian and Leanne Rimes. It was a big tabloid. Affair. Doesn't matter. 
And we slowly learn that Stasi is super sensitive or super jealous, depending on how you want to look at it, because almost all her other boyfriends have cheated on her. And they actually show that her current boyfriend, as much as just, oh, I love her and I would never cheat on her. Dude, you asked a waitress for a back rub. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? You can come give me a back rub. She's like, oh, I got to work late. So, yeah, I, I, if I was Stassi, I'd be super fucking worried about you sticking your dick in something else, too. That's a very astute observation, Ben, and that's all I will say. <laughs> yeah, I think I, so I, when I'm, I was watching this episode, I was kind of giving each of the characters um, what their archetype is. And I think it's also important to note that in reality TV, nothing is consistent. <laughs> like, these character archetypes will change season to season. Um, based on what the show needs and how people are behaving. But right now, Jax is the shit stirrer. So his entire role, and I would say he's probably one of the more consistent people, is his entire role in this show is just to start shit with people. And he's really good at it because there is something, something intoxicatingly charming about Jax. Oh, um, Jax Taylor. There have been a lot of, like, producer interviews about him. I think, Katie, you and I at one point, I think I shared this with you, read this whole article that was deconstructing Jax's, like, sociopathic tendencies on the show. But essentially, even to the producers, there is something so charming about him that no matter what he does, because he will do some of the worst things on the show consistently. Every season something happens. Um, but they just can't hate him. They cannot hate him. And so that's why he's such a good shit sir, because people will, even though he lies all the time, even though he does terrible things all the time, people will still believe him and they still fall for his charm, even if they know better, which means he can say things. And even if everybody's like, oh, he's probably lying, sometimes they're still like, oh, but wait, what if he's not though? What if this is the one time he's not lying? Uh, I have a quick question. We we have done a lot of analysis in ways of the characters. Should we summarize the episode? Maybe we don't need to because not a lot happens. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that would be fine. Yeah. What do you think, Ben? I mean, yeah, we probably should. Uh, and going forward, we should probably do that first. Yeah, <laughs> but... we got a little, a little ahead of ourselves, but that's okay. But again, I mean, you know, I, I like Holland said, I don't know that I'll, or and you too, I don't know that a whole lot really happened to recap because in a lot of ways, like having felt like I was dropped off in the middle of an ongoing story, I don't really know what happened other than people were shitty to each other at work. They argued, they drank a lot. We saw the happy couple, quote unquote, at home. We saw Lisa meeting with her team to discuss the trouble at Sir, and then some more arguing. So I don't know. You're right. It's it's not a super plot-driven episode. I guess it's sort of like we get introduced to Sir, we get introduced to the main kind of characters of the season. So Stassi, Jax, Kristen, Sheena, Katie, and Tom Sandoval. Which I guess doesn't matter. It's just Tom Sandoval, but. Kristen and Katie kind of take a backseat in this episode, but they'll become... I kind of like that you say his whole name every time. <laughs> it's like he's, you know, Tom Riddle in that way. <laughs> Tom Sandoval. Tom Sandoval. Like Antonio Banderas. 
that distinction will become important. It's not quite important yet, but it will become important eventually. Uh, they often just call him Sandoval. You know, it's funny. Later on in the season, this is like a, a dumb side note. Like, they'll start to call everyone by their first and last name, except for Sheena. That must mean she has a really bad last name. <laughs> Holland's like, what? <laughs> right? So, like, they start calling Kristen. Like, they start calling her Dodie. They're like, oh, right. Yeah. Well, that's because she's not worthy of a first name, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I hate Kristen. Uh, <laughs> Here, I'm laying it out right now. Guest host hates Kristen Doty. And I, I, I don't know enough having just seen one episode. I couldn't, I don't think I could tell you which one Kristen was other than she's one of like Stasi's crew. Yeah, she's the one who's dating Sandoval who is like, okay. oh, we're all really hot. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, that's basically the whole episode, right? We get introduced to the Stasi sheena thing. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, I think the main point of this episode, other than, you know, demonstrating that there will be enough drama to sustain an entire season's worth of shows and excitement. Um, but I think that this, like we've kind of said, this sets up Stasi as the main character and sort of the kind of central node through which everything in the season is going to happen, right? All the main conflicts are involve her because it's going to be her and Jax and then the conflict between her and Sheena. It also serves that, right, she is clearly on iffy ground with Lisa Vanderpump. Right, yeah, that right was now, a very important point too because yeah. even though she is the HBIC, there's also the thing, well, you've been slacking off and really you're only here because you're my daughter's friend kind of thing. Yes, and that's going to be an ongoing conflict between the two of them. They're just really similar people. So it's like Lisa sees a lot of herself in Stassi when she was young, which also means that Stassi has the same quirks and bad behavior tendencies that Lisa had and still has, but she's not as mature and not as tactful as Lisa is in her old age. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like five different. <laughs> um, <laughs> I said, she's, Lisa Vanderpump is aged like fine wine. I don't remember which of the housewives said that they age like fine, like they're like fine wine. They only get better with age, but whoever it was is wrong. That's Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> um, LVP. But also, right, but then also, right, so the conflict between Lisa Vanderpump and Stasi is also going to have a battleground of Sheena, right? Sheena's kind of that like node between the two of them. And we see that in this first episode when Sheena's asked to, Stasi tells Sheena to go clean the glasses. And Vanderpump is like, why are you cleaning the glasses? You don't work for Sassy, you work for me. And so you can kind of start to see that power struggle that happens between Vanderpump and Stassi, which is going to become, I mean, it's a kind of a never-ending conflict, sometimes at the forefront of the story and sometimes always simmering beneath the surface. I would say the way that I see it, it's like, yeah, Lisa, I think, does see a lot of herself in Stassi. But she also, something that's characteristic of Lisa Vanderpump is she, like, wants to protect an underdog. And I think that's where she, like, becomes so, she always wants to come in and swoop in and rescue Sheena. Yeah, I think Vanderpump also has, and this is drawing a little bit from my knowledge of watching Beverly Hills Housewives, but Vanderpump has no tolerance for people who are messy and how they start drama. Vanderpump is, and we won't see this as much in Vanderpump Rules as we do in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but Lisa Vanderpump is a legitimate 
evil mastermind. Of, She's unflappable. Yeah, she can start drama and never ever pay the price for it because she knows exactly how to phrase things to get people to jump to conclusions. But then when they play the tape back, Lisa's like, why well, didn't say that? Like you made that up yourself. And then the people get mad at her and she's like, why well, didn't, I didn't say anything. She basically like creates this drama and then around like lies by omission, which is fine. Like she didn't straight up lie and the tapes proved that. And I think that Vanderpump in the same way has so lim such limited patience. But she's so good at that for people who are not good at that. And Sassy, because she's young and doesn't have as much experience in doing this, I think that Lisa Vanderpump sometimes gets really angry at Stassi because she sees Stassi trying to do the same things that Vanderpump does, doing that really hyper-intelligent drama-making for the television. And she's like, but you're doing it messily, and that makes me mad because Lisa Vanderpump hates things that are messy. Well, something we'll see is that Stassi has a short fuse, which Lisa does not have. She is composed at all times. Sorry, Ben. What were you... Ben, give us your thoughts on, on Anastasia Stassi. I'm hesitant to give too many thoughts because I've only seen her in this one episode. And she was almost made out to be the villain in this episode, I 100%. feel. 100%. So, but uh, I'm, I'm tempted to give her the benefit of the doubt because other than possibly Lisa, she does seem to be the most intelligent of anybody there. And I have a soft spot for intelligent women. So it's it's very interesting because I think that she, I mean, like she has the line in there, well, my mother said that we come from some European countries, royalty, so I treat myself like a princess. And I was like, mm, that's a bad look, girl. To me anyway. Um, that's a bad look. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I'm going to like her, but I think she... She does seem to be very argumentative. Now, I think they, again, and we have to remember, and I don't know how much of it happens in this show, but a lot of these reality TV shows are only somewhat reality. They're somewhat scripted, and the producers can make just about anything look like they want to. But by trying to make Jack seem sympathetic, but also showing us him being a shitbird, it, it's doing a fine line of going, well, Stasi's just crazy like when she like ha when they're having the argument when they're all getting together um and she ends with going i am the devil <laughs> Which, i love that moment oh i, I did too it. by the way i was like that is super hot <laughs> but, and don't you forget it and don't you forget it as i drink my wine um yeah i i just i was like okay well they're they're either trying to paint her as the instigator or the reluctant victim. And I really think it's more that, that she's just the reluctant victim. You know, you guys have said, alluded to her having a short temper and she did seem to have it, but good for her for standing up for herself because a lot of the people around her do seem to, in some ways, be taking advantage of her, especially Jax. Now, I don't know about her, ever anybody else on the show. Now, I think the Sheena thing is really just a product of the combination of, oh, well, she's told somebody's boyfriend before, and my past boyfriends have had a, a tendency to cheat on me, and she's coming in here telling me how to run this place that I've been the HBIC for however long. So that dynamic tension makes sense. Um, 
I wish that we knew more about how she felt about Lisa from this, because we do see that Lisa has a soft spot for her, but we don't really get a sense of any relationship between her and Lisa from this, other than like all the other staff talking about, I'm just doing this for now, but I have these other plans, which also annoys the shit out of Lisa. That is a very good point. I think that will get developed later on. One note that I want to make about Vanderpump Rules in particular, and Holland, you can tell me if you agree with this, is that the producers kind of swear up and down that it is not scripted at all. And the only reason I am inclined to believe them is that the drama is so good because this group of people knew each other for a long time before they started filming. And they don't have to engineer as much drama as they do on the other shows. Now, granted, of course, they're scheduling filming. Um, and there are amazing moments later on that Stasi was kind of in cahoots on with the producers. She like will set filming dates and we'll kind of highlight those when they come. But yeah, that's just sort of my note. I'm sure there are plenty of moments that are scripted. And I think it's, but, but I think the show is, the drama seems very real. Quotes, I'll put in quotes. <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think that the interpersonal relationships do seem fairly sincere but there are just certain things and it's going to be this way with any tv show much less reality tv like the scene i alluded to earlier where he's hitting on the waitress yes but he's meeting with stassi's ex-boyfriend who is also the bar manager and i've forgotten his name oh peter right okay oh yeah he's the one who's supposed to be the stand-in okay um and you know again Peter's just like, yeah, we dated for like four months. And I was like, that's not a super long relationship. And then he's like, but I, halfway through it, I was already done with her complaining all the time, blah, blah, blah. I was like, come on, man. First off, and I come from a, a relatively small place. And we did have a clique of friends where people had dated each other. And then they would move on and date somebody else in the circle of friends. But I don't recall ever going to one of those exes and asking them for relationship advice with the ex. Totally. Maybe it's just me. No, that totally. I, the producers probably definitely were like, okay, we're going to film Peter and Jax getting a drink and watch what happens because Jax is sure to do something sleazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably more it. We need something sleazy. Call Jax. <laughs> Call in Jax. Okay, well, should we? I don't. Are there any other characters that you want to talk about other than, well, maybe talk about Sheena or Tom Sandoval? What do you want to say about them? Me? Yeah, or Holland, if you want to jump in. Or we can maybe just kind of skip to the categories, whatever you think. I think I've said everything I, I want to say about Sheena at this point off of one episode. Yeah, that makes sense. Tom Holland was, or Tom oh. Sandoval, Tom, Tom Sandoval. Tom Holland. <laughs> Tom Sandoval was, they didn't really do enough with him other than like establish that him and... I, I guess the girl he marries, question mark, or? or They've been together for a long time at this point. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. him and his his girlfriend who've been together for a long time are the same couple because they're both from the Midwest, and Midwest reads the same when you're from Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we have the good relationship where we don't yell and fight at each other. It's just Tom takes longer to, to get ready, which, you know, obviously it did because he's got to shave his forehead. So I don't, I don't have enough of him to really have an opinion other than, you know, he's an impressive piece of man candy. He certainly is. We'll say yeah. all. Yeah, I mean, I think that in this episode, I read again, coming into this 
from the context of having watched most of the series. I really like Sandoval. He's an imperfect character in a lot of ways and does some pretty unpleasant things later on. But like, I, I have a real soft spot for him. But I think that this episode, him and Kristen serve more to kind of show how embedded and ingrained this friend network is, right? There's that thing with Peter where he talks about how, right, this is kind of this incestual relationship among this friend group of how, you know, Sandoval and Kristen are dating and Tom Schwartz lived with them and Tom Schwartz is dating Katie, who is best friends with Stassi, who's dating Jax, who also used to live with Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz, and Peter also dated Sasha. It's just like, it's setting up how, how tightly, yeah, how interconnected and how like tightly, like, I don't want to say knit, because I think that assumes some level of like, <laughs> like genuine friendship between them. And I think there is friendship, but I think that sometimes those friendships get toxic and difficult um, to kind of throughout the series. But I think that, like, there's their appearance in this episode, again, I think it's just more setting up how all of these people are connected to one another, which means that anytime drama starts, it's going to be a ripple effect, that nobody is going to be unscathed anytime anything starts, and that everybody's going to take sides. Totally. That also made it feel like it was much more of a true uh, restaurant setting to me, because back in my younger days when I worked in restaurants, I was never front of the house but even those of us on the back of the house so like the cooks and dishwashers and everything for the the restaurant that i worked for all of us dishwashers were all sharing a house together because it was cheap and we just didn't make a whole lot of money and so we were hanging out together all the time when we weren't at work we were hanging out together at work and this gave me that feel and i know a lot of my friends who were servers did the same thing and you would actually have crews of servers who would go with each other from restaurant to restaurant as they would get fed up and, and quit at a restaurant for whatever reason so that felt very genuine to me too. And whether that's these people are actual, like really close friends or just friends of convenience who are spending all their time together, it almost doesn't matter just because they do spend so much time together between the living together and working together and have, keeping the same hours. And it makes their, like, their kind of insane lifestyle sort of make sense too right like i mean we'll see like the partying the insane amount of drinking that these people are able to do like i'm sure Jax is on drugs whatever you know <laughs> so yeah yeah i mean it really helps to to be able to drink when you work at a restaurant you can get it um out of the bottle for cost so that's somebody who worked at bars hey oh yeah well and, and the one I, I would argue that Vanderpump Rules is one of the best reality TV shows, and it's because, right, the things that make great reality TV are sex, drunkenness, and lies. And when you, I wrote something in my notes. Yeah, so sex, drunkenness, and lies are an incredible recipe for, for really exceptional television, and only a bunch of untethered 20-somethings can make it work without such a mix seeming sad and pitiful. And that's the reason why the show is so good is because they can live these outrageous lifestyles on these right, waiter waitress budgets because they're drinking cheap alcohol and 
doing terrible things to each other and it seems more entertaining than it does upsetting and disappointing, which is what it would feel like if these were 40 or 50 something year old housewives yeah. doing this, right? It's like we can sort of ignore the fact that a lot of these people probably have an alcohol problem because we're like, oh, but they're in their 20s. I mean, that's a terrible perspective to have. Like that is not a healthy perspective, but for the viewer perspective, that makes the show so much more entertaining. Oh, 100%. Can we talk about a couple of the things that are like very indicative of the year of 2013 in style? In Just the real year quick. 2013. Yeah, sure, go ahead. One of the notes that I made was like, I was like, statement necklaces in exclamation points. Like, that was a real <laughs> flashback. They're all wearing these giant ass statement necklaces, which I just thought was really, really funny. What was the other thing? Oh, and then the like really insanely long earrings that Sheena was wearing, the kind of like metallic. Yeah, chandelier earrings almost. Yes. The only thing that seems to have stayed was uh, Stassi was wearing like the kind of the knee high boots. Those things seem to still be around, but I think everything else has kind of cycled out. This is a weird observation. But especially for, for Hollywood, there was a, a, an amazing lack of visible tattoos mm. amongst the cast. And maybe it's just because I'm covered with tattoos that I noticed that. But, you know, usually by the, especially by the 2010s, I'm used to seeing anybody in a TV show or something like that. At least, there's at least one person with the visible tattoos because they're just so prevalent now. We haven't seen Jack's shirtless yet. Well, well, I will, and, uh, and that will also change over time. You'll see Katie, Katie will, Katie Maloney will collect tattoos. Most of them not very good, but <laughs> she will kind of slowly gain these um, tattooed arms, not like these cool sleeves or anything like that, but just kind of, you know, she'll get like cheetah print on her like forearm bone. She gets some quotes. She gets, yeah, exactly. She gets kind of that whole like the Pinterest era of tattoos oh yeah. yeah we'll get sheena's tattoo later on the it's all happening tattoo oh my god sheena <laughs> what a girl what a gal what a gal oh sheena marie um is there anything else we want to say before we get to the categories i don't remember what the categories are but there's one thing that i have to say which i thought was of the course. cringiest part of the show which was when they brought sheena in and she was talking about and she had a great observation. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this audition to be a pop star. I can't sing, but being a pop star isn't about singing. It's about performing. And I was like, that's incredibly self-aware. And I completely agree with you. But then they have her in the booth and they're like, make sex noises. Oh my God. And, and like her boyfriend sitting there next to the producer and the producer's like, ha ha ha. And like, keeps, do you know that one? And I was like, that is cringy as fuck. That what the hell is going on? So and bad. Like, they, would ha they would cut to her making the noises. And I was like, that's cringy too because it's bad what the hell is going on here yeah i would say that's part of the pilot that has not aged well <laughs> also sheena's singing just i mean that 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 was rotten from the moment it's aired on that show like uh, she just sheena had no hope as a, as a musician it still has no hope i'm so sorry that's it's not gonna happen for her no oh. Poor little Sheena Marie. Well, that's a good transition, actually, into our first category. Am I, so the first one is called WeHo's Thirstiest Server. Server. So 
I mean, I have my pick on who I think the thirstiest server of this episode is. Now, by server, is that just the girls, or does that include the bar staff? That includes the bar staff. I'm including all of the cast, but... Got you. Yes. It has to be Jax, because he's the only one we really see flirting. That's true. Well, we right. I was thinking we could take Thirsty in, in two directions, because they're oh. in Hollywood, right? So, like, oh. Jax, certainly, in terms of... Yeah, and back turn, yeah, okay. Wait, but, what? what is the second way of thirsty? Ambitious. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, man. I mean, I think, I, I agree. Jack's, Jack's thirst levels in terms of getting the ass, but... Getting laid, getting tail. <laughs> getting some tail. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think in terms of ambition, I mean, I think in this episode, it actually might be Sheena. Because she's the one trying to come into this new, new world, and I mean, she claims she's just trying to be friends with these people, but like, Sheena has never been genuine about a single thing in her life, so <laughs> I don't believe that she's just there to be friends. Like, I feel like she's trying. Sheena is, I think, trying really, really hard to maintain her status as Lisa Vanderpump's little, like, prize doll. And I think she's she's going to work really hard to kind of get her way into that friend group and maintain that status. I'm going to have to agree that, it's, it, you know, it's Sheena. If for no other reason than while all of them talk about wanting to use this job as a launching platform, she's the only one at the moment that we see attempting to do anything. Now, in doing like what little bit of research I did to find out what the fuck Vanderpump rules actually was, I would almost say Stasi because Stasi is doing so much stuff behind the scenes and has connected to the Vanderpump family in a much more, I don't want to say sinister, but a much more symbiotic way between the relationship with the daughter and writing for the daughter's fashion blog and getting paid for that. So, but by what was presented in this episode, I have to say it's Sheena. I agree. I also think it's Sheena, but I think that the person, the runner-up, is possibly Tom Sandoval. <laughs> I mean, you don't shave your forehead for no reason. That's right. <laughs> oh, Sandoval, and you know he's talking about his acting career, and and that's true. And he did actually go to a um, casting call, but it was just him going to it. They didn't follow him, right. so it wasn't a big right. deal. The funny thing is that I think this will become more and more clear as the show continues, but all of these people are trying to be actors, actresses, singers, etc., and they all aren't very good at it. Um, but the two people who really found their calling through the show are Jax and Stasi, because they are two people, Jax especially, made for reality television because of that charming shit stir. He does terrible things, but at the end of the day, people still like him. Nature makes him a quality cast member. But Stassi, because she is kind of the quintessential Slytherin, driven by ambition, cunning and sly and wickedly intelligent, she sort of, I think, found her calling in this production factor and kind of setting up this story and this show. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that. Um... She also is natural enough in front of the camera 
and secure enough in who she is that she it doesn't matter whether she can act or she can do any of these other things just being her for reality tv is enough and Jax is just a, a sociopath so you know yes he is <laughs> yes he is Jax taylor i also just kind of a side note i also do think that in the in, in the beginning Jax is also super hot like season one Jax, season one and two, three Jax, noses ago <laughs> three noses ago I just can't look at him and not think of Ted Bundy. Not because he looks like Ted Bundy, but I mean, I could see if this was the 70s, him killing bitches in a VW Beetle. I don't, I don't think Jax is smart enough to kill anybody. Like, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I truly don't think. Stasi Stasi is obsessed with murder and ghouls and ghosts and the occult. So, like, 100% Stasi could murder a bunch of people. Probably have sacrificed. People. Yeah, just like she probably has a number of bodies hidden somewhere, but like Jax, nah, dude, dude. Maybe that's how she got rid of her accent. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Well, this transition. Heard it here first, folks. Stassi's a murderer. <laughs> oh God, she's gonna send us a cease and desist. <laughs> Although, she nah, she's gonna put it in her book. I yeah. think she'd love it. That's her she'd goal be in flattered. life. You're right. She'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of transitions nicely into number one alpha of the episode i mean i think it's absolutely stassi or lisa lisa doesn't count because she owns everything right (laughs) so she's always going to have the alpha card because she can fire anybody at will i don't think she's ever really going to but she can despite the fact that they tease her firing somebody but i was like well of all the people that she's that they showed on the show only two of them i would fire and I know they're both on the show for a long time, so it wasn't either one of them. Who would you fire? Based on what they set up in that show, I would consider firing Jackson Stasi, either one of them. Interesting. Tell us why. Well, because Jax, because he kind of is the shit stirrer. And so you might cut him to keep Stasi because a lot of the the blowing up in the restaurants and everything else and is because of their dynamic but they constantly in this show make allusions to saucy kind of schlipping it off at work and not really doing anything or just hanging around the bar and drinking or going outside and smoking cigarettes and she's the alpha and she's hazing so if you really want to send a message to the entire crew that's who you fire because that's the one person because of her association with the daughter that you would think would be untouchable uh, Lisa's too smart. Oh, yeah, Lisa's too smart for that, though. She knows that she has a television show with them. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, there's some insider knowledge about how the Sir restaurant actually functions. Is those people who are quote unquote servers and bartenders at this restaurant are haven't actually worked there in a very long time. Like, essentially, it, it becomes they maintain this illusion of them being actual staff there for many, many seasons. But basically once the show kind of takes off, they stop actually working. And it's like, they only come in for shifts when it's relevant for filming. Like that's the only time that they're there. Um, So really it's like, if you think about it that way, that means that these people can get away with really anything that they want Mm -hmm. because inevitably they're not (laughs) actually doing that much work, any of them that's true in the beginning i think at the be- i think this season they're genuinely working at the restaurant right 
Oh yeah, no, this this season for sure they are actually working there. It's it's in later seasons that yes. they, you know, once they start making money and it becomes clear that they have to write, do all of these setups for filming, then it's like it becomes more of a hassle for them to be actually working there. See, and that's um, one, one of the things that I, I wonder how it's going to play in upcoming seasons because, again, there is this underlying note where they're all expressing that they want to, quote unquote, make it. Well, they effectively have because they're on a, they're, they're stars on a television show at that point. So how are they going to keep pushing that narrative forward? Stay tuned. <laughs> That's what I would say. Who do you think is sort of at the bottom of the food chain? Who's at the bottom of the pack? I mean, I would say Sheena, just by virtue of the fact that she's the one getting hate, she's the one getting bullied, she's the obvious underdog of this group. Um, and I think we just don't know enough about the other characters yet in this episode to really have a good sense of the dynamic outside of us, like Sheena versus them. Yeah, I, I think that is a good point. Um, I'm going to go in a different direction, though. I'm going to go with Katie because we don't get enough about her. She's just seen as Stasi's friend, at, really, at this point, who also is, is seeing Sandoval. So... Um, oh, you mean Kristen? Oh, well, that's the point, I guess. Kristen and Katie are, <laughs> I can't tell the difference between them at this point because they're just the other two girls who are there hanging out with Stassi who sometimes make things about Stassi shouldn't be so mean, but. <laughs> that's a good, that almost changes my answer because my initial answer really was going to be Kristen because we kind of get a little bit of a snippet of Lisa giving her shit of like, oh, well, like you're only here because you keep making the most money. And so it's like kind of getting a setup of like, we're getting set up of tension between Lisa and Kristen, but I think that's a good point. I think Katie almost gets no play in this episode and maybe that does put her at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dynamics of the interaction, I think Holland is right, that it is Sheena. She's the new girl trying to get into it, but she's also giving, in a lot of ways, more start, uh, screen time than anybody else. So it's kind of hard for her to be like the low person on the totem pole when she's vying for screen time with the, the star, quote unquote. She's our point of view character, at least right now. Oh, little shishu. <laughs> little shishu. Little shishu. All right, my last category is Lisa's number one girl or boy, which is kind of a shout to succession to anybody who listens to success succession but or watches succession i'm sorry <laughs> i mean i think i think it's sheena right now i think that i and i think it's because of lisa's desire to save the underdog um i think that for as much as sheena is also at the bottom of the totem pole this episode in terms of group dynamics she is still lisa's favorite hard to argue that really i mean the she doesn't talk about her that much when she's not around her because like when they have the meeting when they're talking about introducing sushi all the conversation there really is about Stasi and about how Stasi told Peter that he needed to get his dick sucked when he told her that she shouldn't be drinking at work and then she's making light of that so you could you could say that it's Stasi but I, I do think that you're right because of the fact that so much of it is directed to Sheena and Sheena's struggle that I, I agree that it's her 
I think those are good answers. I'm kind of convinced that it is Sheena, although initially I would have said Zuffy, because I just feel like Lisa has such a soft spot for her, especially early on, that she, like, wants to mold Stassi. Where in a way, she just wants to protect Sheena. Stassi, she wants to, like, take by the hand and, like, turn her into a little mini Lisa. Yeah. But she wants yeah. to protect Sheena from Stassi, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that the... I think that Lisa's need to protect Sheena will win out over her desire to mold Stasi because I think that I think she likes right I think you're right she likes them both and they're both her favorite person for different reasons but I think that she will more quickly turn on Stasi for Stasi being annoying or pushing back on her whereas Sheena is always going to be kind of the underling to Lisa yeah, and I wonder how much of that is because of the fact that Stasi can be seen as a legitimate threat to Lisa in some ways. And also because... 100%, yes. And also because, despite the fact that they did it in instances here, I don't know with Stasi being Stasi if she can really ever be a truly sympathetic character on this show. That's really interesting. Um, I 100% agree with you that it's totally a power thing that Sheena will never like take the throne from Lisa Vanderpump. She will never, never get anywhere close. Stasi absolutely could because they're cut from the same cloth. They're the same kind of terrifyingly intelligent, hyper ambitious people. I and I think, go ahead. I would say that that is 100% true, and Stassi's trajectory is to become a Lisa Vanderpump, but I mean, in reality, like, when the show starts, like, what, 2013, Stassi is, like, 23 years old and poor and has no money. There's no, she's not, in reality, a threat to Lisa in this no. moment. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think that the thing is that for as much as Lisa can see potential in Stassi, she also sees that threat, totally. right? She totally. sees it as... Stasi is going to push back on me and it's right it's also it's it's a respect issue for Lisa she's she knows that Stasi's going to push back on her and sort of force her hand when she wants to where Sheena's not Sheena is a dog who's just going to roll over and let Lisa Vanderpump walk all over her and for I mean for as much as Lisa Vanderpump yells at Sheena for letting Stasi do that to her right Lisa's doing the same exact thing right I mean that's right. because they're the same person but Lisa cares Lisa feels like she's she's not doing it as a hazing thing, right? She's just doing it because she's in power and she's to be respected, right? She's the empress of this whole restaurant empire and therefore people need to submit to her. I mean, she is their boss. I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, right. Obviously, obviously that's a very genuine power dynamic at play. Lisa Vanderpump pays them. So like... Who do you need to submit to? Probably the person who's going to pay you, not the person who's telling you to go scrub some fucking glasses. <laughs> right. No. But it's, it's also, though, that, that moment where Stasi says, you know, and I behave like I'm a princess, whereas Sheena would be, and not to say that Stasi wouldn't be grateful and isn't grateful to the Vanderpump family for what they've done to him, but she has a certain level of, I deserve this that I don't think that Sheena has, that Sheena would be more grateful. Whereas, and you can, you can get, if people are grateful for what you're giving them, they will often do more than what is 
you know, to keep endearing yourself and may never rise to that point of challenge. But if they think they're just being fairly compensated and see you as an equal, even if you are their boss, then that that's something different too. 100%. 100%. I was going to say, but I forgot. Oh yeah, what I was going to say to, to Holland's point, what we know certainly from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is that Lisa Vanderpump does not take kindly to being disrespected by anybody. No, no, that is one quick way to get your ass in a whole lot of drama because you know Lisa's going to go and start trying to get you to say things. <laughs> They're going to ruin your reputation. She's not a person to be messed with like in, in any and right, I mean, that is both good and bad. There are some times when it kind of feels like Lisa Vanderpump needs to be, you know, reminded that she is but a human being. She's a mere mortal. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to kind of get her to see reason, but also makes her great reality TV. <laughs> 100%. What uh, Do we have any final thoughts? I mean... I'm interested to see where this is going to go because, like I said, at this point, I don't really like any of these people. So seeing them squabble and fight and how they're going to connect and, and drag me into caring about one of these characters will be very interesting to see. Yeah, I think that I stand by my statement that Vanderpump Rules is one of the greatest reality shows to be produced in the 2010s. And I think it's because their age, the fact that they're in their 20s, that they're able to have sex with each other constantly and drink a lot and do terrible things to each other um, without seeming like they have a problem. And the fact that their interactions just seem so much more genuine than the Real Housewives do. And I think that they, there's an unspoken rule in reality TV that you're never supposed to acknowledge that you're on a show. And I think Vanderpump doesn't really give a shit about that. They're kind of like, yeah, of course we're on a show. Like clearly we're on a TV show, but that makes them a lot more likable. And it's sort of like the silent pact between them and the audience, which makes it so much more enjoyable to watch. Um, it, they're inviting you into their friend group. They're inviting you in to be part of this, sometimes very toxic, but incredibly close-knit Vanderpump family. And it's really kind of amazing how how when they ask you to take sides with characters, you will absolutely take them. Yeah, I agree. I think it is also, like Holland says, like the best reality TV show I have seen. It's so well produced and it, they just get better at producing the show as it goes on. Um, and I just, I'm so thrilled to be introducing it to someone who has never seen it before. Bring more people into the cult of Vanderbomb. <laughs> Yes! Yes! Well, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I think that I'm going to like talking about it. I don't know that I'll like watching it that much. At some <laughs> so. point, it will change. Because I felt, I think you're right to not like any of these people. They seem like horrible, terrible people from the beginning seasons. I think for me, the shift was around season six, where I was like, wait a second, I'm actually, I, I like these people and I'm upset. I'm emotionally invested. Oh my God. <laughs> it will change. It will sneak up on you. You'll be like, actually, I do care about Kristen Doty. Well, maybe that's a bad example. <laughs> oh, I do not care about Kristen Doty. 
that's like 96 nope, episodes in too. So I mean, you know, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of time to devote to that. So I can see why you would start to to really care for these people. Well, and it does help that again, right? The character dynamics and archetypes will shift over time. So the person who's the villain this season will most likely not be the villain in the next season and the next season, next season after that. So it, it helps because a lot of that, the blame game sort of gets shifted around. So there's always a season where you're able to sympathize with the person that you like the most. Um, and so that definitely helps you forge those connections better. And also like, it just, again, it's a difference of you get invested in their friend group, right? This isn't a group of 50 something year old women who are part of the 1% who, you know, if they weren't being filmed and paid to do it, wouldn't be traveling halfway across the world to hang out with each other for a week. Like this is a group of friends who, even when they fight each other, even when they hate each other and hate everybody in the group are still gonna go to Mexico because one, they can drink all day long and two, they would experience so much FOMO if they didn't. And that is believable motivation for this group of people. It's like, it's, it's amazing how much of a difference it makes when you feel like even though this is structured circumstances, how much the real emotion changes how you feel and how you are impacted by these characters. Like their friend group is toxic and terrible, but like at the same time, you kind of don't want anything bad to happen to them because you know it's gonna hurt them. And even though that's gonna be great for us to watch, it is kind of sad. Well, I mean, you know, and my counter to that is, is not really a counter, it's just a, a addendum is that part of the reason that it seems so real is that I think a lot of friend groups are, you know, toxic. Or, you know, friend groups might be the, the wrong term, but group of people who are working together and spending so much time, you know, any group of people, especially if they're, I don't even think you have to be that young, to be honest, as the, the person who's old in the room, but any group of people who are going through a lot of stressful things and are around each other that much are probably going to wind up drinking and fucking and doing all that stuff together. So, you know, and people are going to get hurt. People are going to take advantage of one another. And sometimes they're just going to keep being friends with air quotes because that's what's there. That is what's there. Oh, Bay, one thing I wanted to point out to you is that I think your sense of the way in which the producers are framing the narrative is right. They are certainly framing Saucy as the instigator, 100%. Yes. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I take that um, as a compliment coming from two English majors, since I don't really do a whole lot with the framing of narratives and in history. But. We also have a lot of foreknowledge of the arc of season one, too. So, yes. I mean, really in all of the seasons, but, but yeah, yeah. So we are really taking our, our, our lit analysis eye and applying it to the show, which is fun. Well, it's literature. It works. I mean, it, well, I mean, it, it is. It is being presented in a media form. It has to become literature, whether whatever it was before it was taped. I want to, I want to, uh, hold up really quick. I want to pull up a quote about Vanderpump Rules that I just, am, I love. I, I tagged Holland in this on Facebook. Oh yes. Okay. So this is from a website that I read a lot. It says one of the most compelling character arcs in history, in the history of entertainment belongs to Anakin Skywalker because of, because of his constant inner battle with the light and the dark. I shit you not when I say that these are the same reasons I've binged every season of Vanderpump Rules over the last few months. Yes! <laughs> that is exactly it! 
I mean, Anakin was pretty whiny, so it seems to fit. Yeah, right on. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Next episode, you guys should, uh, we should have a whole episode dedicated to who is what Star Wars character in the universe oh. of <laughs> Pump Rolls. That's a great idea. It changes episode to episode who's Darth Vader. Ben's like, nah. Well, no, I, was just, I was just wondering if it was if and you guys would know better than me. I was just is that really an episode to episode thing or is that an end of season thing? That's that's a good that's a good that's a good point. I, yeah, I think it depends on the season. It depends on how how long the arcs go because some arcs will last. Some arcs within the show last full seasons. Some seasons are kind of segmented into a bunch of different arcs that are sort of all interconnected. Um, well, well, that means Lisa definitely has to be Yoda, right? Uh, no. <laughs> I think she's Emperor Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> she seems like you're her friend, but... <laughs> she might. Yeah. She might shank you. I mean, that might be a good read. I just, man. Have you, have you heard the tragedy of the Beverly Hills housewives? <laughs> Thanks so much, Holland. Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, totally, Our resident. And that's actually what I would like to suggest. You two ladies do with it as you will. But since you guys kind of know the story arcs and the beats of this more, when a story arc concludes or something, Holland should come back on and ask us such questions about, like, who are these Star Wars characters and all these other things. I should. Love it. Yeah. I have said that there's one episode... I love talking about banner pump rules. I love talking about reality TV. It's literally one of my favorite things to do. It's why I keep getting people hooked on it because I just want to talk to them about it and show off all of my, like, I could literally write a thesis on reality TV. I probably should have, honestly. Um, <laughs> but, um, so I'm, I'm happy to come back and guest host whenever, but I will say there is specifically, I have said that there's one episode in season two, actually a number of episodes in season two that I have demanded I come back for because it is one of my favorite episodes. It is such a mess. It is like a giant explosion of drama and it's so good. And I'm so excited to talk about it. And really the payoff for season two, it, it's a- it's So a, good. It's such a good arc that really kind of is sewn in season one. Yes, yeah. And I think, right, as much as Right, good storytelling is all about that gratifying ending. It needs to be, and that gratif gratification doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean good or happy. It needs to fit the narrative and the story that's being told. And season two of Vanderpump Rules has a fantastically gratifying ending um, that is then continued into the reunion show afterwards. Um, it is has this incredible through line of conflict. It keeps you guessing as to who's done what with whom. And then there is a enormous nuclear explosion point, like uh, probably I think like two thirds of the way through the season. And it's phenomenal. Like the fallout is incredible. It's just, it's fantastic. It is such good television. <laughs> I love it. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Anyways. I just really love Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I couldn't tell. I mean, you can keep it under wraps. I've been so <laughs> subtle about my obsession with this television show this entire time. Yes. Uh, love it. 
Well, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. Um, Ben, I cannot wait to hear, you know, a couple episodes from now, how you're feeling. I'm so excited for you to take this journey. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Well, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. And like, I, 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 you know, I accept that. I accept that. Yeah. This might be torture for you, but it'll be fun. <laughs> and, it's going to be great. I, I have to admit the first episode was a little bit rough, but talking about it has made it worthwhile. So, And, you know, I'm sure that after I've seen more of it and, and actually build some kind of rapport with the characters, that that'll change. Excellent. Buckle up. Buckle up. Buckle up, it's going to be a Vanderpumpy ride. (laughs) Just you wait.